What is up, everybody? Welcome to Mongols. I am Mike. With me is Kev, Josh, and Riverhounds assistant coach Dan Visser. Coach, this feels like it's been a long time coming. Welcome to the show. Thanks, guys. Yeah, happy to be here. Listen, I mean, you know, obviously, I think we've seen you. You're, you're sort of this this stalwart on the sidelines uh, for the past few years. What, five years now? Five, six years? Six years entering year seven. I mean, there's a half year in 2016. I came part way through, uh, but I've been here since. So first kind of year and a half with Dave and then the last whatever it's been, four years with Bob. So four going on 40 with Bob. <laughs> <laughs> how would you uh, how would you describe your sort of day to day role in the team? I think obviously Bob is very visible and out there, you know, sort of yelling on the sidelines. How, how do you sort of fit in and, and what does your day to day look like? Yeah. I mean, I'm obviously my title is his assistant, uh, you know, his assistant coach, which I'm very much his assistant in terms of just uh, he's, he's the man in terms of, of running the, the pro running, running the pro team. And then uh, I do a lot to just kind of help him execute that vision. Um, and I would say that it's, it's evolved over the last four years, um, which is something that I've really enjoyed. I think as I've gotten to know kind of, what it is that he's looking for and his vision for, for what things should look like. Um, he's also kind of trusted me with more and more. So in terms of the day to day, I mean, it's, it's a lot of small things kind of behind the scenes uh, in the off season. It's I'll get questions sometimes from people like, Hey, what do you do in the off season? Like, do you just have two months off? And uh, very much that's not the case. Um, uh, you know, it's stuff like just prepping for the season. Uh, I, I do a lot with our gear. Uh, so that's ordering it all from Adidas and, making sure it gets in and then getting it decorated and, and, you know, with all the logos and all that kind of stuff. And then as we sign new players, getting the numbers on it and kind of coordinating that. Um, so that's one thing I do a lot with the player apartments. So that's making sure they all have furniture, uh, you know, making sure that, uh, that we've got enough, enough beds for everybody over there in terms of just enough rooms. And, you know, that puzzle changes as you've got some guys that are staying by themselves or maybe have families and, um, so I do a lot of the communicating with the apartments, um, just a lot of like other random stuff as I do a lot of stuff for our combine. Um, so in the off season, Bob is very involved with that as well. And we kind of work together to fill it in terms of getting the players in, uh, and who we want to look at. I, I probably lean more towards talking with the college coaches and, uh, Bob leans more towards talking with agents, but. He also talks with some college coaches and I also talk with some agents. So it's, there's, there's definite overlap there, but then a lot of the logistics of just, um, you know, travel arrangements for guys coming in. Um, they stay in a hotel locally. So just kind of coordinating that. So, um, Lots of hats. when we travel, I do a lot of that, that stuff. Uh, yeah. John Rotz, who's been with the club a long time. He does a lot of that as well, but I, he doesn't travel with us. So I, you know, I'm kind of the guy on the ground and help to manage some of that stuff. So that's a few things, but a lot of kind of the, the more like detailed things that happen behind the scenes. Yeah, lots, lots and lots of hats. Um, you mentioned the combine, just, you know, curiously, how do you go about filling a combine? Like, is it is it people coming to you and saying, hey, you know, we think we have the right guy for you? Or is it you watching tape and saying, hey, we want this guy there? Like, how does that typically work out? Yeah, I'd say it's both. Um, you know, there's a lot of we're, we're getting in the off season. We're getting emails constantly from agents, uh, and so you might have an, an email with 20 guys on it, and then it's kind of just looking for who who makes sense. Um, not everybody's going to be interested in coming to a combine. You know, you've got some 
some free agents that are a little more well established. So those aren't always going to be guys that that are coming into an event like that. Um, you know, somebody like Dane Kev- Kelly, obviously he was he was not a guy coming to the combine, but it's some younger guys, so college players, but then also some guys that maybe have just had a few years um, a few years in the league, or you know, I, I don't know. It could be a variety of different different situations. We will. I do a lot of talking with college coaches, and then um, so that's a lot of times initiated by me. But then also, as you start to kind of form that relationship, maybe you haven't touched base with them yet this year. But then uh, you know, you've established that relationship. So then they're reaching out. Hey, I've got a play. I didn't have a player last year, but I've got a player this year for you. I think he'd be good. And then it's we do screen it heavily. I mean, we end up with like forty-five guys there. Um, it's not difficult at all to fill a combine with forty-five guys. It is more challenging to fill a combine with forty-five. Uh, good players um, and so that's kind of the goal is is to try to get that level very good one because then uh, we obviously want to sign good players at the end of the day but sometimes even if there's there's good players in the combine but the level isn't good it can be hard to to really have a good assessment so you want to you know make sure that the players come in that uh, you know that there's a certain level that's maintained have you ever run into a scenario where there's a guy that you're like, no, you got to come into the combine and they're like, no, we're too good for the combine. Like you need to sign us. <laughs> sure. Have you ever had to have that battle? Yeah. yeah. All the time. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And it's funny, like, especially with agents, like you're talking to the same guys all the time. Um, I'm not going to name any names and not that you necessarily know them anyway, but it's funny. Like it just happened and there was a player who didn't want to come in and I really thought he should have. And then I got a call just, uh, just the other day and it was kind of like um hey he's still available and i'm like nope we're we're you know we're, we're looking at a couple Sorry. guys that came through our combine so uh i i slipped that one in there so um but it's fair i mean look at the end of the day too like they've got they only have so much time players they only have so much time so many resources they can't go to every combine under the sun right so i get it they're making decisions um uh so it is what it is, but uh, yeah, for sure. Sometimes it's players don't want to come in and you might throw the invitation out there expecting that maybe they won't. And sometimes guys surprise you as well. And maybe they do, uh, they do come in. So one of the things I'm always curious about um, in talking to different coaches is sort of a lot of times we want to get tied up in the, you know, day to day and exactly what goes on with the team, what's going on right now. And I'd like to sometimes take a step back and think about, how you sort of got to where you are. So in terms of when you look out, you know, across all the coaches in America and Europe and wherever, is there any that you sort of look at and you draw inspiration from, or you're like, I think that guy's doing it right. And like, if I get my shot, I'm going to do it like him. Is there anyone that you're sort of trying to emulate in that way? Or just like I said, anyone, anyone that sort of gives you that spark of inspiration to just keep pushing forward as a coach? Yeah, I think that, um, there's there's obviously multiple facets to coaching right so there's the soccer specific stuff that's that you know you're not really going to draw from coaches in other sports and so for that i wouldn't say that there's anybody that i lean on too too heavily um but definitely paying attention to what kind of the 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 big names are doing whether that's guardiola or klopp or uh tuchel um uh you know some big ones right now i think that it's always interesting to see what what those guys are doing tactically um I've paid a lot of attention recently to even, I don't know why, I've gotten very into just watching the U.S. national team prior to do quite a bit with, with Christian Pulisic and, and kind of the relationship with Mark Pryor. And so there's there's some added uh, kind of desire to maybe watch those games with Chelsea as well. Um, but, yeah, just kind of watching that, seeing, seeing what Burr Holter does, seeing what some different people are doing. Um, but I think in addition to that, 
looking at, um, you know, even just some of the personalities of coaches um, that maybe I think I'm a little more similar to. Uh, a coach that stands out for me is like a Brad Stevens, who I think he's just a pretty laid back guy. Obviously, he's not coaching at the moment, um, but he was with the Celtics prior and with, with Butler before that. So just watching interviews, watching his sideline demeanor and knowing that it doesn't always need to be, um, you know, as big of a personality on the sideline. Cause I'm, I'm maybe not, not always quite that. And, and, you know, you've got a guy like Bob, who's more demonstrative. You've got a guy like Dave Brandt before that, who's more demonstrative. And, and I, I think I tend to be a little bit more even keeled. And sometimes I'm like, is that, is that going to work, you know, and to, to see some coaches that it does work for, um, I think you always need to be yourself. And so, um, yeah, that's, uh, that's a few examples. You mentioned, you know, Dave and Bob and, you know, the fact that you've been here for sort of six years. How has your role sort of changed or maybe what have you learned from Dave that you then, you know, maybe didn't learn from Bob or vice versa? You know, what, what's it been like coaching under both of them and, and, and what changes have you seen throughout the organization as a result of it? Yeah, so, I mean, my history with Dave goes back all the way to my uh, college playing days. So I played with for him at Messiah. Um, so he was kind of my first introduction to, 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 I think really good coaching. Um, and it was, it was, it was a really serious approach. Like practice mattered. Uh, it was soccer was important. Um, and it was, it was also, two things it was it was kind of the culture matter the culture of the team was was super important and so that was messiah was a place where i made you know my best friends and it was just i think a really high level culture and we achieved a lot of success there um but then it was also from dave it was about a lot more than soccer so it was about uh kind of personal growth and leadership and and things like that uh so that you know that kind of started my coaching journey um just to kind of witness somebody do it at a really high level uh, and then I was always interested in working for him. So got the opportunity to do that at the Naval Academy and then followed him to, to, uh, to the Riverhounds. And then with Bob, um, you know, those two guys are actually, I see a lot of similarities in them, uh, both super intense guys, both guys that are super committed to their teams, guys that are, uh, they hold super high standards um, and they're going to, they're going to push players to achieve those standards. And uh, you know, that's not always comfortable for everyone involved, but I think ultimately at the end of the day, um, it's, 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 it's an opportunity for players to grow and it's an opportunity for the team to achieve success. Um, I think specifically from Bob to kind of get at that one specifically, like I've learned a lot from him. Uh, I've learned a lot from him on building the team, building the roster in the off season. There's a lot that goes into that and just a lot of kind of feel, uh, and, and, and how are we selecting players? There's a lot of timing involved. Um, and then I think during the year, it's tactically, I think he's super, super smart. Um, just the way that he goes about it. Uh, yeah, I've taken a lot from him there as well. So kind of switching the focus to two players, so coaches, uh, specifically with the Riverhounds, who do you think the best player you've coached has been? Or like just not even like the best players in like tactics wise, but like the 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 best to coach <laughs> more yeah. specifically um i mean i think i think the, maybe the obvious one but i think it's the a true one like canardo's canardo's i think the best player that i've coached since i've been here um 
he's so smart, like just on the field. It's even interesting today during training, Bob was kind of working with the other group. So he's kind of focusing on them and some of their defensive shape. And so then the other group maybe has a little more freedom to do some stuff. And he's starting to like direct traffic and push some guys in some different places. And I'm kind of working with a, a guy playing left back and just having some s small conversations with him. And Kenny kind of comes over and he starts to kind of direct traffic on that side. And I just was like, uh, do your thing, man. Like, uh, you know, <laughs> he, he's not doing it as a coach in that sense. Like, but he's just trying to like move some guys around and trying to kind of break uh, break the other team's press, which was a lot of what we were working on. And so good. I mean, he's trying to cause problems for that group, which then they have to solve. Um, but some, some things like that. Um, yeah. I mean, Kenny's, Kenny's a, a fun player to coach for sure. Essentially, like, cause I would think that like the older players, players have been around longer that they would be more like set in their ways or like kind of know what they're, they're doing. So they, they don't, I don't, I don't know. I would always assume that they wouldn't take coaching as easily as like a new player where you kind of mold them. Um, but yeah, it's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. No, he's a special player for sure. And um, I I'm impressed by kind of at his, like, I, I don't even know how old he is now, 30, 32, 33. Uh, but he, I mean, he shows up every day and, you know, he's, uh, yeah, he's a good leader on the team uh, for sure. So switching the focus to the the Montour complex, like just curious how that is going to change how you guys are coaching and how the team works going forward. Do you think it will change anything? Um, it seems like a pretty huge deal to have that complex available. Yeah, I, I think it's I think it's really cool. Um, I think it changes some things for sure, like organizationally, uh, especially kind of on the academy side and the ability to run some bigger tournaments and, and some different things like that. Um, on the pro side, uh, I think that there's a lot of kind of perks that come along with it. Uh, obviously, access to an indoor field um, is a nice thing to have in the offseason, uh, especially when you're going through preseason in February in, in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, right? So, um, uh I was actually just over there today, uh, kind of looking at some stuff and, and, you know, there's walls up, there's drywall up. So at this point, like there's not a lot of changes being made, but just kind of talking with kind of the lead there about some, some different things that maybe we're looking to do inside of that space. Um, I don't know how much it, it changes it, it like fundamentally, but, uh, cause we have, I think I'm just all often of the belief that you don't really need that, that much to be successful. Like you need a, a team and you need a field and you need, you know, you need some pretty basic equipment, but there's a lot of, I think, just nice stuff. I think the partnership with Allegheny Health has been good. I think that will continue to get stronger. I think we'll have, uh, we'll have, I think a lot of kind of like different recovery stuff available to us that, that we have available now. We just have to, to kind of drive to, to get it done. This is a little bit more of a one-stop shop, I think. Um, yeah, I think it's, I think it's really cool. I think the players are going to enjoy it. Um, I know, I think we're going to enjoy it as coaches as well. Maybe that, that helps to draw some players in, but um, yeah, I think it's, it's a, it's a really big move for the organization as a whole. Laura Ellen just asked on, uh, on YouTube, she said, is it as big of a recruitment tool as we think? Have you guys seen that at all? Like obviously, you know, different facilities can, can be that, that one little thing that can help a player decide between two different places. Is it at a state now where players are looking at that and saying that would be really cool to play there? Or is that still too early for that, that you guys are seeing? Yeah, I think, I think maybe we'll see that effect more next year, just because, you know, even when you were building the roster out this off season, there wasn't really, 
a lot to show people. Um, we talked about it for sure. And I think, you know, it certainly shows an owner that's super committed, um, which I think matters. Uh, but I think next year, yeah, I think to be able to, to, yeah, just kind of explain some of the different things that we have going on in terms of that facility. I think that stuff does matter. Um, you know, it's a little different than maybe like college where you're bringing guys onto campus and, and kind of showing them all that. But yeah, I think it can have a, a really positive effect. So something else kind of unique is uh, our our pitch, our actual field at Highmark Stadium. I'm just curious, do you, when you're picking players or trying to figure out the team, are there aspects that Highmark kind of, you have to like think about when you're recruiting players or is the field not as big of a deal? Because I feel like Highmark is like a little bit smaller. It's a turf, like what kind of right. things do you have to take into consideration with that? I don't think we do any think differently because of playing. I, I agree it's a little bit of a smaller field. And so maybe even that affects our tactics uh, versus maybe we're, when we're on the road, it's maybe a little bit easier to press there um, than it is on some some really big fields. But um, in terms of like the specific recruitment of players, I wouldn't say that that, you know, is, is really a factor. So getting into the preseason a bit, um, how much do you pay attention to to like what what else is going on around the league like you know looking at other eastern conference rivals and seeing what they're doing and and seeing how they're recruiting or seeing maybe how they finished up last year coaching changes etc you know i know the the kind of line that gets put out there by a lot of coaches is you know we just focus on ourselves but you know how how, how aware are you guys at, at what's going on with your with your rivals yeah i think I mean, I'm, I'm pretty aware and I'm probably following a lot of the same stuff you guys are, you know, in terms of, of just seeing what's been put out on Twitter and social media and different things. Um, you know, the other thing that I might have access to is just conversations with agents, you know, that are kind of in the know a little bit as to what's going on. Um, I don't know how much it totally affects what we do. So, you know, why am I paying attention to it? Like, I think it's interesting. I, 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 I don't know. Um, I think it's interesting. I, I do think that, yeah, you don't want to get caught behind what other teams are doing. I think it's also just interesting because a lot of times when a player signs with a club, that player was maybe presented to you already once. And so then you're like, you know, and, and maybe, maybe you were interested, maybe you weren't. So maybe you passed on them, but then you see them land with a, like another club and you're like, Oh, like, you know, I don't know. I just think it's interesting sometimes from that aspect to kind of see where guys go, because I would say that a good percentage of the time when a player signs somewhere, like you were maybe involved in, in kind of at least looking at them and, you know, maybe we've got too many players at that position, or maybe we expected that the, the, the money was going to be something that we didn't quite value in the same as, as, you know, what maybe another club did or whatever it may be. But, uh, yeah, I, I don't know how much it, it really affects us, but I do find it interesting. And I I just like to kind of have a pulse on what's going on. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, I guess keeping on that theme of, of kind of player movement and, and player availability, uh, what are your thoughts on the MLS Next Pro program? Um, and how do you think that might like change any like player availability um, things for you guys moving forward? Yeah, it, that's definitely something we paid attention to um, because now, 
you know, in the past, I think when you look at a lot of players drafted, they don't they don't always land uh, with the team that drafts them. Obviously, you had you had some clubs, you know, in in USL Championship and USL League One, whether that's a Red Bull or a Loudon or a Atlanta United or whatever it may be. So that you know that still existed that a player could potentially be drafted by Atlanta, and then uh, you know not stick with the first team but sign with the second team. But when you get to a point where like every team has a second team, it makes a difference. So I would go. I've gone through the drafts last year, and uh, I went through the draft last year, and like you know all these players get drafted to teams without uh without second teams so those players are maybe a little like more likely to fall out um and so i just think that there's a wider net to kind of catch some of those types of players um i think what has surprised me a little bit is there have been players that have been kind of offered those second team contracts that have maybe chosen to to look at the usl championship as as a, a maybe a better option for them um I think some of that is just speculative because I think that there's a lot of just unknowns as to what MLS next is going to be exactly. Um, and I'm sure different clubs are handling it differently in terms of, you know, how young they're going um, and just how they're looking to build out their rosters. But I know there've been a number of players that have, have opted to, to not sign with those two teams um, and are looking for, you know, we're looking for championship jobs or are looking for championship jobs. It affected our combine too, actually, because there was a lot of guys um, it just seemed to be like more combines, you know, so like, uh, for example, like a Columbus crew puts on a combine. And so now they're drawing a lot of the same players that we would have been interested in bringing into ours. And, you know, some of them are choosing to go to that one, even though it's not really a look for their first team, it might be a look for their second team. But, uh, you know, those guys are making decisions as to what avenues they want to pursue. Do those combines typically happen right around the same time? Do you guys find yourself competing with like MLS for combine time? I mean, this year the off season was only like two months, right? Or whatever it was. So like, there's only so much time to squeeze, squeeze that stuff in. And obviously you've got Christmas and new year's in there as well. And so, uh, as well as Thanksgiving. So, um, yeah, I mean, we, we try to, to avoid the MLS combine, you know, kind of the official one. Um, but you're going to run into to some stuff, uh, especially in the past we've held. This year we only held one. In the past we've held two. So um, if we're aware of some stuff, then maybe we'll try to dodge it. But, you know, maybe you didn't even realize that whoever Loudon is hosting a combine on that same date. And then it just, yeah, players have to make choices. So, yeah. Can you maybe talk a little bit about uh, the, your kind of coaching relationship and the player relationship with uh, Pitt? Because we're seeing a few more uh, players kind of coming from Pitt, uh, coming to the to the Hounds roster. Um, I mean, obviously, there, there's this kind of natural pool of talent that's, you know, in the city and, and that, that makes – it's kind of an ease of use kind of thing to, to be closely connected with them. But – I guess yeah. How do how do you guys how do you guys see the kind of Hounds Pit connection as far as potent you know a, a potential pool of players or you know and and you know how much do you kind of recognize maybe that's just too easy to do and are we actually overlooking some things or I guess how you know how how does that play out in your mind? Yeah, I mean, some of it is obviously that the the a product of them being as good as they are, you know, and, and, and how far they've come in the last, however long Jay's been there, six, six, seven years. Um, uh, so I'd say that's a product of, of some of it. 
Um, you know, Robbie and Shane had played there, but those guys obviously went to Loudon first and played um, and then kind of returned. So maybe there's some, it's a little bit easier for them to return here. Um, you're also sometimes maybe just getting some guys that, that go there that are more local to Pittsburgh. So like some guys from the Cleveland area. And so then it's more, uh, you know, they were close to Pitt. They're also close to the University of Pittsburgh. So it's a little bit of a regional thing uh, just as to where they're from. Um, but I think, I think, I, I hope the connection continues because they've got a lot of really good players and I expect them to continue to have a lot of really good players. You know, it's, it's, there's a comfortability with us being able to see them more. Bob went to a lot of, I, I went to, to some, but Bob went to a lot of those pit games. And so, you know, player like Arturo, you've just watched play quite a bit. And so, um, you know, there's a, there's a draw there because there's a, a comfortability um, with a player that you've seen. I think it's always, you know, when I'm thinking about signing a player, it's, uh, I think about it like, you know, you, it's, it's how good is he, but then also how sure am I in my assessment of him? So I might think a player is quite good, but it's hard, um, it's hard to, to really push to pull that trigger unless you're really sure, which is why combines help. It's why bringing players in on trial and preseason help. And I think the more you're able to see a player, um, the more comfortable, the more confident you can be that your read is is potentially correct. This I, is I, go ahead, go ahead, Mike. I was going to say this is this is probably more of a statement than a question. But you you mentioning that you know you and Bob spent a lot of time at the pit games. I, I wonder what that's also uh, a doing for the pit program, having their players know that you know you have coaches from a USL championship team that are coming and watching your games. Are they stepping their games up at Pitt um, to, you know, basically help Pitt be a better team as well, just because you guys are there and, and the, the closeness between the two teams in the city? I think that's all really interesting. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to take any credit for what they're doing. Because I, think, <laughs> I think whether we were at those games or not, uh, those guys would have those guys uh, firing on all cylinders. Right. Um, but, yeah, I mean, potentially to be over there, sometimes it means something to a player that a, that a coach has seen me. And so, you know, a player wants to go to an environment that they're, that they're, they're potentially going to be successful. And so it's easier sometimes to go to a place where, Hey, the coach knows me and the coach still wants me. It's not like he's just taking a flyer out on me and, and, you know, he doesn't really know whether I'll work out or not. Like, yeah. uh, yeah, but yeah. And now, I, now I have the imagery in my head of like you and or Bob just like in a hooded jacket on a rainy night, standing on the side by yourself, <laughs> just watching these games. And Something like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess just uh, I'll, I'm going to combine my kind of last two questions here because I have a feeling you 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 won't directly answer the first one because <laughs> you're a coach. Uh, but I was. Uh, who do you think will be the the breakout player this season, and uh, what are you most looking forward to this season? Yeah, um, I probably won't answer that first one. I, maybe <laughs> partially because I, I I maybe shouldn't, but then also maybe partially because I'm not totally sure what to answer. I I will say, I think I think Kenny could break out this season. I don't know. Just, you know he's been quiet. This year. Just, Danny you know. Griffin's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I will say that I expect at the end of the year for us to look at having had like, I like our rookie class, if I can you know, kind of call them that like this, 
this these guys that are 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 fresh out of college um so as to who exactly breaks out i think we could have more than one uh, i think we could have multiple you know there have been years so you think kind of back to bob's first year and you know calling it thomas von Caizio, and then you look to, to year two and you're calling it uh uh robbie mertz right and and uh than maybe Danny Griffin, you know, so you kind of had these, these one-off players. Um, I would just wouldn't be surprised if at the end of this year, we've got, we've got a couple guys, you know, multiple guys. I, I wouldn't be surprised at the end of this year that we're, we're really hoping to bring a, a number of these young players back. Um, because I, I think, I think a lot of them can have success and some of them may need to kind of bide their time a little bit this year. Um, but I think we've got some real depth and I think they contribute to that. Um, Again, it's it's fresh. It's it's early. It's we haven't lost the game yet. So, uh, you know, we'll see. But I do like our freshman, our rookie class, I should say. You know, I thought I was excited, and then you say something like that. And now I'm like even more excited. So <laughs> three funky zeals. That's, like, that's right. That. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, Coach, this has been fantastic. Um, you know, we want to be respectful of your time, and you know, we already took thirty minutes of your time. This was this was great. Um, we really appreciate you coming on and joining us. Obviously, best of luck with the rest of the preseason. Um, and, you know, obviously we're looking forward. The, the season starts in just a few weeks, which you obviously know. But um, <laughs> yeah. we're, all, we're all looking forward to it. And uh, like I said, really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us tonight. Appreciate you guys having me on. It was fun. Awesome. Thanks, Coach. We'll talk to you later. Thanks, guys. See ya. All right. That was awesome. Yeah. I always forget, like, how... I, I don't want to jump into this. Program. I always forget how young Dan is. Like I always think of him as like this grizzled veteran who's been there forever. And like, no, like he, but he, dude knows his stuff. Like he, he, that was, you know, that was more of a transparent conversation than I think we've gotten with any other coach that we've had on here um, about topics that, you know, that, that we typically don't get into. So I really appreciate him taking the time to, to dive into some of that stuff. Um, Really, really. I was good say, stuff. like, I was, I was really impressed at like the speed. It, he, he mentioned, I think, before how he had some experience on, you know, podcast stuff. And like, usually, I feel like when we have guests on here, there's always that like two, three second fumble of them trying to figure out how to disconnect so we can continue the podcast. And he was like, <laughs> all right, just, ow, all right, sweet. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. No, it was awesome. Awesome. So thanks again to, to Coach Visser. Um, and uh, yeah, we really appreciate talking to him. Um, that was awesome. It's, it's surprising. It's been, you know, he's been in town for six years and we always have like this cycle of like talking to people and somehow we've never worked him in. But I feel like now I want to talk to him every year because he'll just tell us really what's going on and be like, this is who to look out for, guys. Um, so that was great. Um I guess, guys, real quick, a uh, couple of things. I want to talk about the preseason and and, uh, and and a couple of things that are going on. But, Josh, the last time you were on, we sort of hung it up there about you were going to Disney and you were going to pick <laughs> a lightsaber color. And everybody is just like waiting oh, yeah. on bated breath to know <laughs> what is your lightsaber color, Josh? I chose green. Go classic. It had to be green, probably, or blue. But I, actually, it's a little bit of a lie because I... I ended up just buying all the different colors uh, <laughs> of the lightsabers themselves. The way it works with Disney is like, you have like a little thing that you put in like a Kyber crystal. If we want to get really nerdy that you put into the, the lightsaber. So I just ended up buying all the colors. So that way I could use whichever one I want to. But when I built the lightsaber, I chose green. 
Were the first any... thing you picked up was green, and then you just picked up everything else. Yeah, <laughs> like I, I would take green, and then I would take red, and then I would take, take blue, and yellow, and. <laughs> were there any cool colors that you weren't expecting, or was it all just like standard Star Wars fare? Standard Star Wars fare, and let's be honest, I was nerding out so much before this trip that there was nothing I was not expecting because I right. researched it all and like <laughs> had spreadsheets set up and like, okay, I'm going to do this, going to do that, so. But no, it was it's a good time. Uh, if you've never been to Disney World, which I don't think I need to tell you what it is, it's it was fun, especially if you're into like any of the properties that they own, since they own pretty much all the properties. Uh, yeah. I am a little bit sad that Epcot they uh they are currently building another like area in Epcot for Guardians of the Galaxy and like Avenger stuff, and I was like, that's not open yet. That's sad. <laughs> yeah. Um, your wife just posted in the chat that hers is purple. Thanks, Liz. Nobody asked. Um, moving on. <laughs> Ouch. Jeez. <laughs> now, I'm now I'm using her own text against her where she said moving on. So there you go. Just kidding. We love you, Liz. Um, Kev, also, since our last episode, you turned 30. Is that right? No, I'm just kidding. You, you did celebrate another birthday, but you're older than 30. So. 31. Yeah. yeah. 31. Feels the same. <laughs> Although I think my my hip my hip might have popped on thirty one the morning when I just got out of bed and it's just like <laughs> but yeah no it just it, that just continues through the rest of your thirties don't worry yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, happy birthday let's let's Thank talk you. about uh, the hounds a little bit so uh, the the hot topic I think that everyone's been talking about for the past few weeks is when are the hounds going to sign a keeper and today they announced we officially signed a keeper so guys we could start a game in a few weeks because we'll have a keeper um kevin silva uh he grew up in bethlehem pa and if you sort of read sort of his backstory a little bit he was ranked as one of the top 15 players overall in the country when he graduated high school he was the number one keeper in the country when he graduated high school went through the whole u.s youth system thing went to ucla and then left ucla early to go play in the scottish premier league and during that time was then loaned to toronto fc and then toronto fc too and now he's here in Pittsburgh. So, guys, we have a keeper. So we we can sleep easy on that. Now, whether or not he will be our starting keeper, I don't know. Um, you know, Bob still has a couple of other players in camp. Um, so we will wait and see what happens. But everyone can rest easy. We now have a keeper. Um, I think, I mean, like, no matter what happens, like, he has to be one of the favorites to win the gold glove this year, right? Like just statistically. <laughs> I, I mean, right? honestly, that's, uh, we uh, actually, we should look back out of the past, what, four years. I think Bob has had two golden gloves, like three were in contention. So yeah, I mean, if you're a keeper at this point, like why wouldn't you sort of look at that and just say like, I want to go to Pittsburgh. Cause like, you know, I may be good, but like I could win a golden glove and look really good. So, yeah. Are you saying um, we're going to get that uh, that backup keeper who's playing at City back? We're going to get yeah. him back because he wants to win a golden glove at the USL? No. 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 Um, All right. Yeah. No, I mean, as, as Steve Let's is pointing out in chat, Morton missed the golden glove by like six minutes. I forgot about that. Where, uh, yeah. yeah, there was that whole scheduling thing. Um, yeah. And Silva started both preseason games so far. So he might very well be our starter. Um, so that happened. Um, speaking of Steve, who is sort of blowing up our chat with all sorts of stats, Steve is going to join us next week 
And uh, Steve has been to all the preseason games thus far. Um, he put together sort of a rough idea of how he thinks the Hounds are going to line up um, to start the season based on the players that we have and based on what he's seen. So we're really looking forward to talking to Steve next week. He's a bit of our boots on the ground uh, this preseason. We might try to line up some Steve getting some footage and doing some interviews uh, there at practice or at the stadium. So if that's something you're interested in, let us know. We might do it regardless because, you know, we just like Steve doing stuff. So, um, but yeah, next week, Steve will be here. One of the things that Steve had pointed out is Wyatt Borso. So Wyatt Borso was with the team last year and we had talked to a couple of different parents from the Academy and they're like, dude, this, this guy is legit. Like you need to watch out in the same way that they were saying like Robbie Mertz is legit. People were saying that Wyatt Borso is legit. And so he got a few minutes here and there last season, but um, he's been tearing it up this preseason. So far, he's scored in both of the games that he's played in. Um, he's an academy player on sort of an academy deal right now, and he'll be 18 at the start of the season, but he's already committed to Notre Dame. Um, he's ranked as one of the top 10 forwards in the class of 2022 by Top Drawer Soccer. You know, Steve's saying he looked really good. Um, but what's his like style? Is he fast? Is he so tall? he's a forward? He... He's a tall forward who's not afraid to take players on like one on one. Um, and he's got a really good first touch and a good finish. So I just wonder that... what, what kind of avail- availability he'll have. Like, well, I don't think he'll start in front of Kelly Cicerone Dixon. I mean, I'm, even Deke probably ahead of him, maybe, but I don't know. That's the problem that he's facing right now is just that we have six strikers on the roster, including him sort of right now. So like, I can't remember the last time we had six strikers. Now, you know, the team lists that all of the, the strikers, of the team lists on their team sheet uh, have uh, it's, it's wide Borso, Russell Ciceroni, Albert Dequa, Alex Dixon, William Iang and, and Dane Kelly. They also list Dixon as a midfielder. Um, but everyone else was listed as a straightforward. So it kind of makes you wonder, like, what's going on there? I mean, either way, I think we can be selfish and say, you know, I, I think it sometimes get, gets underestimated how having depth in certain positions helps just with practice. Like, because now, yeah. you know, both sets of defenders get to play against really good forwards, right? <laughs> so, you know, that's going to be good for, for practice and training. Yeah, Steve's comment here is that uh, he feels he's he's a really good off-the-bench option to replace Cicerone, and he has the energy to press the defense late in games. Um, I think, Steve, we were talking a little bit uh, earlier today, and he said that, you know, in 2019, he would have probably been the first player off the bench. Like, when we had that season where I was like, I don't know, and you just have your go-to, like, he would have been number one. So, so maybe like an upgrade on Williamson? Yeah, potentially. Um, but it's also good that we're not, like... He's a great player and we're going to, he's going to get minutes. I think it's just going to be a, a sub, but it's also probably better that he's not our first choice for everything because he is going to Notre Dame. So it's not yeah. like we're going to have him, you know, consistently the whole season. So. Yeah. What'll stink is if, you know, he does play with us and he just sort of lights it up and is just everywhere. And then we get to the fall and he's like, sorry guys, I got to go check into the dorms. Good, good luck in the playoffs. And we're like, Oh man. Yeah. But you know, that could be, I'll a, take it. I, I mean, if we're talking playoffs, like, you know, yeah, we'll see. Um, Otherwise, across the playoffs, we've played two games so far. We had one postponed because of weather. One, there was some other scheduling issue. So we played Villanova and Loudon. 
Um, two wins. So like not that we're counting wins, especially early in the preseason. I think we're very much just like who's standing out. And at this point, it seems like Borso has been one to stand out. Uh, we get Indy 11 tomorrow and Louisville on Saturday. So like this is where the rubber meets the road a little bit, at least in terms of preseason. Um, Steve mentioned he will not be at Indy 11 tomorrow, but he will be at Louisville on Saturday. So he'll be able to bring that insight uh, to the next show that we do. Um, and then after that, guys, we just have two more games left against Pitt and WVU. We literally have two shows left and then kick off for the season, which is like crazy, crazy. It's crazy. So, yeah. Going to have to buy um, that ESPN Plus subscription again. Well, that's right. <laughs> um, ugh, yeah, I forgot about that. Um, is there anything that you guys are looking for? You know, I just mentioned that we sort of look at a lot of these preseason games and, and take them with a grain of salt. But considering that we're playing both Indy and Louisville, are you guys like, if we draw or we win, are we lose? Does it make any difference to you, Kev? I mean, you know, it's funny. I think literally if it was any other team in the East, um, I'd be like, nope, don't care. But it's Louisville. And I I just can't stand losing to Louisville. Um, so... I would say that, the same thing about Indy. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, but I guess you know, you ha- I don't, I don't really have that thing with Indy too much. I, I, to me, I think, I mean, Louisville is just a, such a solid club, like an organization know, like, through yeah, and yeah. through. Yeah, or yeah, and it's something to strive for. I mean, this, um, you know, I'm, I'm, what I don't care. We're a fan podcast. I can say whatever I want. But like, <laughs> like Indy, I don't, I don't. Whatever, like you know, like I'm, I'm not too impressed. Uh, like I'm not, I'm not impressed with any. Well, that's so. why I don't want to lose against them, though. Like I, I'm not yeah, impressed by but, them, but know. like I know it's preseason, doesn't matter, blah blah. And we're going to be testing out guys, so it's not yeah. like we're going to be putting you know our best foot forward necessarily. Um, but you know, you, you have that whole thing with the hounds and the, the perception that we have a late start always every season where it kind of like takes a while for us to get going and you know you don't expect a lot from the first couple of games so it would just be really nice to see a strong foot going forward so i know it doesn't matter i know i shouldn't care but i do <laughs> still like you, you hear that they're playing against indy you hear that they're playing against louie and you're just like yeah i want to see us win those games even though they don't mean anything as far as like winning them uh, but it, it just as a fan, you have that mentality that's like you, that's putting you know momentum going forward. And I don't really know if that's true, but it feels like that. We should ask Dan like how he feels about it because that would have been an interesting insight. <laughs> I'm sure you know from a coach's perspective, you got to be like, well, you know, yeah, you just gotta yeah. take the take him out. But you know, I bet Kenny's not thinking that. <laughs> that insight about Kenny was great. Like, yeah, right. You know, can we see Gaffer Forbes sometime in the future? Probably. Um, maybe not with the Hounds, but that seems like sort of a cool next step for Kenny. Um, yeah. All right. Well, um, yeah. Like we said, keep an eye on the score from tomorrow. Well, if you're depending on when you're listening, it could be today. Um, we play Indy, Indy 11, and then Louisville on the weekend. Both games are at Highmark Stadium and open to the public. So if you want to get down there, watch the game for free. Go check it out. Scout it out. Let us know what you think. Let us know if there's anybody that's standing out. I think the Steel Army has done a great job of uh, revealing player signings before the Hounds have because they're hearing Bob yell names and then started, like, you know, 
quick do a Google search to try to find what name could potentially match it up. And then, yeah, <laughs> blowing up Twitter with, uh, hey, this guy might be signing, which is fantastic. Yeah, there's um, some cork boards with some, like, you know, uh, red strings. yarn going yeah. around. Like, that's uh, happening. If you if you join the Steel Army Discord, you can see the, the wheels turning there with everyone trying to figure out stuff like that. Um, yeah. Also, just want to mention real fast, uh, we, uh, speaking of the Steel Army, just announced our AGM meeting slash uh we're having a bit of a kind of get together party the night before the uh, home opener so on uh friday march 18th at 7 p.m at bulldog pub uh that's going to be where you can vote for who makes the member representatives uh we have two of those positions opening up it's going to be where you can buy your membership package all that kind of stuff so uh yeah it's gonna be a lot of fun and then we're also going to be at bulldog before that because the home or the season opener we're also gonna have a watch party there uh, which is uh, March 12th against Memphis. Yeah. Yes. And can people still get their membership packages online at steelarmy.com? Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, we have the listing going up, I think tomorrow, but uh, it's yeah. Obviously if you want to get it in person, it's a little bit cheaper and also you just get it instantaneously instead of having to ship it to you. So and if you want even more Steel Army, you know, um, Josh is the president, but even more, more Steel Army, make sure that you check out the Houndsy podcast, which is, should now be available pretty much anywhere that you get your podcasts. So you can go search for it on iTunes and Spotify and all of that. Subscribe um, and uh, and hear sort of the take, you know, from from Dan and, and other members of the Steel Army. I think it's fantastic that we, you know. Between us and them and everybody else, you know, you could pretty much fill your week just listening about hounds. And it's still the preseason, which is crazy. So that's it's it's great to actually be able to listen to a hounds podcast. Like <laughs> since well, I'm on this one, I don't listen to it. So it's like sweet what? a podcast I can listen to. You don't listen to yourself. We we're not no. getting your download and listen, Josh. Uh, I, I still subscribe so that way, you know, pump our numbers up. But uh <laughs> You download, but don't listen. Okay. Yeah, I fine. just deleted it. I don't, care. I don't care. <laughs> that works. Okay. Um, well, yeah, lots of exciting stuff. Like we said, we really only have two shows left before the season starts. Um, so we're going to talk to Steve next week, get some, you know, put on our tinfoil hats and try to predict what the team's starting lineup could look like and how that might fare against somebody like Memphis. And then we'll see what we'll do the week before the season starts. Who knows what's going to happen? We haven't really planned anything yet, but now that makes me want to kind of like scheme and see what we can pull off. So if you have any special requests, let us know. And uh, I think we typically do our like get everybody on and do your prediction kind of thing. So we could do that or we could do something else. Um, <laughs> Laura Allen just messaged that they're being ignored. You're not being ignored. Um, yeah. So, okay. Gentlemen, anything else for this one? We're good. Okay. We're good. Well, thank you again to coach Dan Visser for joining us. Uh, as I mentioned, fantastic chat. Um, we're going to have to get him back on, you know, maybe we'll try to get him on mid season. We always try to get players and, and coaches on mid season and it's always a little bit crazy because of scheduling and things like that. But if we find the right pocket, I think it'd be really good to get his read on just how things are going. Um, so we'll try to make that happen. Um, make sure you head over to mongols.com, click on support the show and become a Patreon follower. As I mentioned, go find Houndsy, the Steel Army podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, your weekly reminder that obviously Black Lives Matter, as always. Um, and if you're looking for more great USL news, head over to BGN.FM, where we not, now have over 100 fans that are writing and podcasting about the beautiful game. Lots of great features that go up on the site every single week. Go check them out at BGN.FM. Otherwise, thanks, everybody. We will talk to you very, very soon. Cheers. Later. <laughs>